Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You know, making sure that you're showing up in a, in a particular way on social media. Authority goes so much further than that. And authority is made up of purpose, passion, mission, vision, values, beliefs, a, an idea that you want to propagate in the world and all of the energy and expertise that you have behind that that's designed to propel those ideas, those changes, those initiatives, just that energy out in the world. Hey, it's David, and you're listening to Leadership Without Losing Your Soul, your source for practical leadership inspiration, tools, and strategies you can use to achieve transformational results without sacrificing your humanity or your mind in the process. Hey, welcome to the show today. So glad you're able to join us here as we're getting uh, two thirds, three quarters of the way through season 13. And today we're going to be talking about branding and marketing, not just from a organization or a product perspective, but for you as a leader. And our expert here to help us with that today is a marketing genius guru authority. And we'll find out more about what that word means. Her name is Deb Gabor, and she's CEO of Soul Marketing, a brand strategy consultancy that has led brand and crisis strategy engagements for organizations ranging from international household names like Dell, Microsoft, and NBC Universal to digital winners like All Recipes. I have spent some time on that site, Cheeseburger, HomeAway, and Retail Me Not, and dozens of early tech, uh, early stage tech and digital media titans. And she's the author of a book we're going to be talking about today, which is called Person cultivate your human authority to ignite irrational brand loyalty. Deb, welcome to Leadership Without Losing Your Soul. Well, thanks for having me here in that introduction. Wow. It's sort of like, Deb Gabor, this is your life. And I hope I live up to that introduction and, you know, all of those accolades. Genius. Okay. I'm a genius. I love it. <laughs> Not your entire life because we didn't mention Coco and I know there's a lot more to life. So Coco is Deb's cat. I'm secretly hoping Coco is going to make an assurance, uh, an appearance on the show today, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. You never know. Help us get to know you a little bit before we talk branding authority, all the rest. We want to. Uh, can you take us back to your earliest memory of yourself as a leader? My earliest memory of myself as a leader is probably one of my earliest memories of myself. They say that the beginning of conscious memory is at about four or five years old, right? And I remember, um, this is my earliest my earliest conscious memory. I remember standing on top of the doghouse in my backyard in Randolph, New Jersey, and surveying my domain of all of my backyard pets, which at the time probably involved two dogs and a cat, but really sort of rallying them around and trying to uh, influence them to do what I wanted to do in that moment while also pretending I was Snoopy fighting the Red Baron. So um, that's probably my earliest memory of, of leadership. But I, I, I think I've always I've always kind of I've always kind of had that in the background. But truly, um, I grew up in a I grew up in a world where I think my first actual job was like the assistant to the camp counselors at the summer camp where I went. And from that point forward, I was always the person that I would start a job. And then a couple of days later, somebody would hand me the keys and they would say, oh, you, you can lock up or why don't you make the schedule or the calendar or um, that guy is not doing a great job of, of sweeping up at the end of the day. Could you talk to him? And so from about the age 14 on forward, I was, I was always that person. So, you know, I would start a job and then like two or three days later, I ended up with a name badge that said supervisor on it, which is pre pretty good for someone who was faking a work permit at the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I, th those are my, those are my earliest, really my earliest, uh, awarenesses of leadership. I mean, it, it comes through like they, I was given management tasks 
but it was probably because I maybe had some natural tendencies um, to be able to influence people with, with authority, with kindness, with heart. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the word that comes through to me through, from all of that is trust that you mm -hmm. very rapidly established trust and, and people trusted you, you were credible and, and, and had the influence and ability to do those things. Uh, I am a, a shareholder in the 14 year old uh, statute of limitations. Fortunately, there, there is one, so we don't have to worry about those, uh, those, uh, I'm not really old enough to be doing this job, but I'm doing it anyway. And darn, if you didn't get the supervisor badge, absolutely. Yeah. I honestly don't remember a time in my life where I wasn't working or trying to make money. Or supervising your domain from the top of the doghouse. Yeah, exactly. Like I've always had entrepreneurial tendencies and, and I like to tell people, you know, I I'm an entrepreneur and I've had my own company for 20 years. Right. And I've also had like other sort of side gigs and, and different entrepreneurial pursuits that I really enjoy. And somebody asked me, how did you come into this? Was this a goal that you had for yourself? And I said, you know, really, it just comes down to I have problems with authority, unless of course it's me. Uh, and not that I wasn't a terrific employee for the first half of my career working for other people, but uh, it just, it was just sort of a natural thing. And I think some people naturally have uh, leadership abilities, competencies, and, and almost like a leadership aura that make them successful. Oh yeah. Yeah. I had so many different aspects of our human existence we can draw on to, to be influential and be leaders. And, and, uh, the, the avenue that you go down in the name of the book again is personality, cultivate your human authority to ignite irrational brand loyalty. And, uh, so you've written several books, uh, uh, on branding, uh, branding is sex, I think was one of them. Do I have that right? Yeah. And, yeah, uh, right. and ir irrational loyalty. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And so, and, and towards the end of this book, you say, Hey, listen, this is the book I would have written first if I could do it all again, but that's the way those things work sometimes. Right? So when you're talking, and this is person dash ality. So if you're looking, uh, listening and you want to go find the book, cultivate your human authority. And that word authority is so huge in everything that you're talking about, uh, in terms of branding today. Let's start with the definition. What do you mean by authority? Sure, that's a that's a really good question, um, and it's an it's an interesting angle because usually people ask me first, like, what is irrational loyalty? And sometimes talking about irrational loyalty first to give authority context is helpful. So, do you mind if I do that? Absolutely. So irrational loyalty is this condition where people are so indelibly bonded to a brand that they'd feel like they were cheating on it if they were to choose an alternative. And that is the condition. Uh, it's, it's how I feel about my iPhone and all the eye thingies. Um, you know, I feel, I, I, I feel like I can't live without these products. I feel like they're irreplaceable to me. I feel like they're indispensable to me to the point that a couple of years ago, when a competing product to the iPhone came out made by Samsung, uh, Samsung Galaxy S whatever, that was so virtually indistinguishable from the iPhone with regard to its features, functionality, you know, benefits, the, the, its construction, the two companies sued each other. They were so similar. So I thought I might, I might as well go and check this thing out. I went to check it out. And then when, when I got there and I actually saw the technology, I tested it out and I learned that the technology was superior. It had more durable glass. It cost $700 less. It had a, an open Android ecosystem works seamlessly with all my Google stuff, yet I felt dirty, like I was cheating on Apple to even hold it in my hand, right? <laughs> There's nothing rational about that. And it really speaks to a relationship that we have with brands. And that relationship we have with brands is like the relationship that we have between humans. So do, do you have a significant other, a person of importance in your life? I do. Listeners to the show know my, uh, my partner in life, business and authoring, Karen Hurt. Yes. Okay, very good. So when you have a significant other in your life, you you share an emotional bank account with each other, right? And whenever the two of you and each of you separately behave on brand for your relationship, you make these deposits into really what becomes an emotional bank account that you share. Your hope is that your emotional bank account is always in the positive and that you have lots and lots of equity there. And, and that's the thing that when the two of you do great things for each other that are on brand, on values, on belief for your relationship with one another, you make those deposits that, that 
balance gets up so high that it's the thing that prevents you from divorcing when one of you does a terrible job of loading the dishwasher, right? So that, that, that relationship is based on this irrational loyalty, right? Mm -hmm. Irrational loyalty. It really is, you know, it's a little bit of trust. It's, it's a lot of an understanding and sharing of core values and beliefs and, and a lot of actions speaking louder than marketing. Right. And so when you, when you ask about authority, like what is authority? Well, authority is the very human embodiment of all of that through a person. So some people out there, they talk about this as personal branding and, you know, personal branding has, has been devalued as a term over probably the last, I'd say five or six years. Well, personal branding has become this world of what do your Canva templates look like? Make sure that, you know, the front page of your Instagram profile, everything matches, you know, making sure that you're, you're, you know, that, that you're, you're showing up in a, in a particular way on social media. Authority goes so much further than that. And authority is made up of purpose passion, mission, vision, values, beliefs, an idea that you want to propagate in the world and all of the energy and knowledge and expertise that you have behind that, that's designed to propel those ideas, those changes, those initiatives, that just that energy out in the world. Does that make sense? What I'm saying there, what authority is, it's so much more than your personal brand. It does. And, and with all of those elements, they exist both at the level of an organization or a, a product or, or what have you, but they also exist for us individually as leaders and definitely want to dive more into that. When you're, you're talking about irrational loyalty, uh, you know, I was thinking about the fact that like, as I am also a, an Apple person, I prefer the iPhone, but, and I've used both. I was long time Android and then went to, to iPhone. And as you were saying, and it's got this nice open ecosystem. I'm like, that's exactly what I don't like about the old one that I'm now with the, the new one. Like that's so I, my loyalty is irrational, right? We all feel that like I'm, I'm oh, green text bubbles. Like if you're an iPhone user, you see those green text bubbles. You're like, oh, crap, that person's an Android user. And then already I've, I've come up with a complete story about what I think that person is like, right? <laughs> there is nothing rational about that. Uh, what about, I, you know, I, I fly Southwest is my preferred airline. So, uh, shout out to Southwest and, uh, have for years. We love them They're They do a good job for us and yeah, they have their problems from time to time, but, uh, my loyalty feels rational. I think that's part of what, uh, is interesting about irrational loyalty. Like you're self-aware going, okay, this doesn't make any sense. But for us as users, our loyalty does feel like it makes sense. We try to justify sure. it, it anyway. It's- it feels very rational when you are experiencing it. You're like, okay, so Southwest had some some problems over the holiday season and they maybe are behind with regard to technology developments. But you know what? Overall, I'm willing to give them a pass. My feelings on Southwest, and this is this is maybe this is a pretty good illustration. I'm irrationally loyal to Delta. I I personally am irrationally loyal to Delta because I like the level of professionalism. I I like to have an assigned seat. I love my travel benefits. I'm super, super locked into Delta on-time performance. I love the, you know, the additional benefits and I'm willing to pay more for tickets on Delta just to have an experience that is commensurate with, with what I believe in. I love Southwest as a brand. I really do. And I really admire them. I am not their ideal customer. Right. I am not the customer for whom that brand is built. I love what they do as a brand and all around me. And I, you know, I did a ton of media interviews about Southwest's brand disaster and were they going to be able to come back? And I predicted that, yes, they will be able to come back if they, if they do everything right. And if they communicate with authority and authenticity and transparency and vulnerability and honesty and, you know, show the world what they're made of and let actions speak louder than marketing, then yes, absolutely. They can recover from this. So I admire a lot about the Southwest brand. I mean, for goodness sake, Southwest, they branded love. It's in their logo. It's a little, it's a little red heart, right? It is true, but it's like their customer. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 What you're talking about, I think is, and this gets back to the leadership angle of things is it's those deposits that we're making. And why do I have that loyalty? It's because of the many years of 
like I could tell you stories about the ways that they have gone above and beyond and helped me in different situations and the flexibility and all the kinds of things. And yeah. that I believe will continue if they didn't. And that changed the actions would speak louder than marketing and, and we'd have a different decision to make. So as we navigate this world of authority, it's not just what we say, it's what we do. It's all of the vets, that whole package. Let's start shifting into talking about authority through the lens of leadership. Why is authority important for leaders to be thinking about and considering for themselves? Absolutely. And I look at, I look at authority as it, it's an asset for you as a leader. And when you thoughtfully and strategically cultivate authority for yourself, it becomes portable in that you can take it with you everywhere you go. So um, whether you're in a job as, as a leader within a, a large organization, you're looking for your next great gig inside of that organization or outside of that organization, or you're an aspiring leader who wants to level up in your career with, within your industry, or you're an entrepreneur, solopreneur, maybe you're a creator, your authority is your, it, 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 I, I always say it's like, it's your footprint, right? It is your distinctive footprint. Your authority is sort of like your thumbprint, right? Your thumbprint or your fingerprint. It is a, it is a actionable, executable, demonstrable conveyance of your core DNA as a human being, your values, your beliefs, what you're passionate about and what your expertise is. That's like the recipe for authority. And it is unique to you. It is distinctive. And you are a brand, whether you like it or not, right? And what I've learned from 30 plus years of branding with big, small, you know, well-known emerging brands, B2B, B2C, whatever, what I've learned is that the best brands in the world are not just different, they're unique. And so your authority is your unique footprint. It, it is your stamp of singularity. And when you cultivate authority and you become more than just a well-known name, you become somebody that people can count on for a particular thing. You can start to develop uh, a, a a reputation and and a good reputation as being somebody who can be trusted. We've used this word trust many times, but a person who can be trusted with knowledge, expertise, desire, passion, and and a track record in a certain area. Does that answer that question for you? It, it does. And it, and I was going to, uh, in the book, you mentioned this idea of singularity uh, and I was going to, to um, go there, but since you just brought it up, this is a question that I have wrestled with in my career in different discussions around um, branding and, and this idea of singularity. And I know that I'm not alone and it's, I'm going to, I'm going to full disclosure is these overthinking analytic types of which I can be one, right? Mm -hmm. And when somebody like yourself says, don't just be different, be singular, the analytic types immediately going, okay, Deb, there are almost 8 billion people on this planet. How the heck do I not just differentiate, but be singular? What does that, how does, how do I do that? Because that almost feels impossible. Sure. I can give you an example. Like I, I like to do this through storytelling. I can give myself as an example. Okay. So, you know, I, I'm the CEO of a brand strategy and marketing firm for B2B technology and professional services companies. My company is headquartered in Austin, Texas. You can't pick up a cat and swing it by the tail. Hey, Coco, uh, without hitting another person who does exactly what I do. Mm -hmm. Right. However, You've talked to me for what, 15 minutes at this point here. I'm the branding is sex lady, right? I have a unique point of view that is singular. Uh, branding branding is, is not so scientific that there aren't other people who do it. The what I do and how I do it is very similar to how other strategists do it. 
But what's unique about me is my footprint of authority, my unique point of view, the way that I look at the world. I, you know, I wrote a book called Branding a Sex, Get Your Customer Laid and Sell the Hell Out of Anything. My point of view is that the best brands in the world are not just different, they're singular, and they elevate a person's self-concept, not to the point that it's sexy, but that they want to have sex, right? That has carried me pretty far throughout my career. And if you notice, there's a thread. If you've read all three books, if you've seen any media interviews with me, you've seen me speak at a conference, you've seen anything that I've written. I always talk about this notion of irrational loyalty. That is original. That does belong to me. And that's how I became the world's resident authority on brand disasters, botched corporate apologies, and the chicken sandwich wars, right? So that's what we mean by uniqueness, like your unique footprint. You may be a, a passionate leader and a leadership expert and, and a, a, a coach, an expert, a consultant, whatever. Uh, there, there's a million of all of us on mm -hmm. this earth, but mm -hmm. what is your, it really is about what is your unique point of view fueled by your passion and in the branding construct that we use with ginormous companies all the way down to individual human beings like you and me, the questions that we ask are the same. What does it say about a person that they consume this brand, that they use this brand? What does it say about a person that they read one of your books, they listen to your podcast, they, they read content that you've put out there on the market? Because brands are self-expressive right? They say something about the user and, and it, what does it say about you? They, they say like, you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with or whatever. Okay. That is true of, of the leaders and the content and the, and the authority that you consume. Second thing is what is the one thing you get from this person that you don't get from anyone else? Well, you can get from any brand strategist. You get brand strategy, right? You get brand strategy. You probably get some marketing. Maybe you get some expertise in particular industries or categories or whatever. But what you get from Deb Gabor that you don't get from anyone else is a kick in the ass. I am for brands that need to propel themselves because they have a lot at stake, a short runway to get it done and a lot of risk involved. And they need not someone to take orders from them, but someone to really push them and propel them to greatness. So they get a kick in the ass from me. I'm not for everyone. I put a velvet rope around what I do. And it's more about who I attract and who I repel than being for everybody, right? And then the third thing is like my presence, my authority has to make people a hero in their own story. How do I make other people heroic? The best authorities, the best personal brands in the world, the best, I hate the word thought leadership because it's become really, really dumbed down. But the best of those are people who are giving from a place of, of purpose, of passion, of an extreme desire to help other people. They're the ones who actually have the most authority, right? And so this is like, it's so important for leaders to give authentically of themselves. And I tell people, you're not ready to be an authority unless you're willing to like, just give this away for free without any expectation of anything in return, because as a result, you will cultivate community and that community will propel you and follow you anywhere you go through your career. So back to the original question, like, why is this important for leaders? Like, imagine if you will, inside of a company, if you have a, a, a group of like raving fans within the organization where you work, who want to see you be successful because you have given to them so generously generously of your expertise, your knowledge, your desire, your passion, that they want to propel you. Imagine where you can take your career. If you are the person in the organization that everybody knows singularly as the one person who gives everyone a kick in the pants, right? For example, hopefully that example helps, but that's what we mean by singularity and how it, how it pays off with authority. Yeah. And, and part of your, your singularity comes from, I mean, not just yours, but one's singularity comes from our own experiences, our own stories, the particular set of values that inform uh, how we're approaching all of our learning. And that is unique. Uh, yeah. There, at least at this point, <laughs> short of some AI robot construct and maybe in, in 30 years, it doesn't exist. It can't exist anywhere else. Although there are people out there, and this is something that we're struggling with in our business right now, who think that you can use AI 
to create a brand. I saw a horrifying video on TikTok the other day, which is, okay, you have an emerging brand. You want to create a brand. You can do it in one minute. Let me show you how using chat GPT, this AI image generator, this AI name generator, whatever. I mean, there are a lot of risks inherent in that. And that is really, really scary. What those brands lack is they, they lack authority. They lack authority. That's right? a, it's a logo and some words. It's not, it's not authority. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and so authority it, it, coming back to this concept of authority and your, your singular, uh, your brand ultimately as you're as a leader striving to, to have that reputation, to build that in the world, the, what is it that makes you unique is that combination of the things you bring to the table, but it's what you're doing and that expression of your values and what matters and what you contribute to people. And this is a theme that comes through over and over again in your, in your book, Deb, is that act of giving. And you just mentioned it and we're going to come back to it, but I wanted to stay, stay, staying with this theme of, um, authenticity of singularity. One of the things that you talk about is the notion that the world really has shifted. The workplace has shifted. It's not going back to anything it was before. And so there's this shift in this change, but there's also this need for people to see the what you call the gooey insides. And I love that metaphor. And, and you talk about it both organizationally, but also individually. So can you share with us a little bit about the gooey insides and how that informs authority? The gooey insides, and, and you really read my book, and I really appreciate that. I do a ton of interviews, and most of the time, the people they read the they read the forward and the acknowledgments and like the back cover and whatever. So I greatly appreciate that you that you took some time with it. I don't know if you read the whole thing, but I mean, you you are very well prepared for this. So so the the gooey insides are oh, just wait till we get to page one thirteen. Oh, what's on page one thirteen? Is we'll that find where? Out. Is, is that where I talk about the probability of becoming a YouTube star? <laughs> no, but Which, we'll, that's just a teaser <laughs> to keep people listening because 113 uh, is where the gold mine starts for me. All right. Oh, okay. Back, good. Back yeah, to I you, don't even Deb. have a copy of the book with me here. In, in that's where, okay. Where in I the digital today. world, my page 113 might be your page 97. Doesn't matter. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. Back to so, the gooey, gooey insides. So back to the gooey insides and sort of this notion that the world has changed. This is, this is a trend that's really been going on for, I estimate, like probably the last 10 years. And it really, really started to accelerate about 2015, 2016 timeframe, where it was important for us to see what do brands stand for, right? And what do people stand for? Um, who do they associate themselves with? Uh, what you know? What kind of initiatives do they support? What are their political views? And 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 it became increasingly important, not just for brands, but for individual human beings. And so, what the gooey insides are? They are your values and beliefs. That's what they are. The gooey insides are your values and beliefs. And and truly, this is what you stand for as a human being, your core values as an individual. And the best brands in the world, whether we're talking about human brands or we're talking about you know, company brands or product brands, brands are a magnet that are designed to attract to them people who are aligned with, with your values and beliefs. Uh, I, I don't know if you've ever had the experience of using a brand and then saw the brand do something or say something that you were like, whoa, oh, absolutely. well, that makes me not want to use a brand ever again. Um, I think I tell the story, I think it's in the personality book. I tell the story of my daughter who, mm -hmm. who has this like, like Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Yes. The, the complicated Chick-fil-A relationship, right. Where she's like, oh my God, I love the product. I love, I love the store. I love the retail experience. I, I don't like the views of the founder, which translate down into everything that, that she doesn't believe in, in this world. Right. You know, mm -hmm. she, she, she believes in inclusivity and um, she feels that when the brand cracked open its chest and showed us its values and beliefs that it was excluding her and her people. And that's what we mean by the gooey insides. People need to know that you stand for something and they want to see if they're going to patronize your brand, whether it's a human brand or it's a business brand. 
they, they want to see that you're aligned with them. I mean, I've had this experience before where there was a brand that I used that I previously used, and then they did something that blew my mind. And then I became embarrassed to use yeah. the brand. Yeah. The same is true. Like I, I will, I will freely admit, and this is not like, I know this is not a political show. I will freely admit. I, I used to really, really like Ivanka Trump. Like I, I read one of her books. I liked what she stood for, I, you know, as a, as a woman business leader and entrepreneur, I had a lot of really great takeaways. And then throughout my experience of, of consuming her as a brand over the last several years, based on her association with the Kushner family, with, with, you know, with her father's, you know, political machine, all that kind of stuff. I was like, holy cow, I need, you know, for me personally, and this is not me trying to like value all over other people, but for me personally, I'm like, I feel like I need to remove that book from my bookshelf for fear that I will be judged harshly. And very importantly, I will harshly judge myself for supporting someone who doesn't necessarily currently align with my values and beliefs. Yeah. So that's what we mean by the gooey insides. It's all that stuff inside the, what do you stand for stuff? Yeah. The, it's the, the PR you can't out act your, <laughs> I mean, you can't out market your actions. I always and, say like actions yeah. speak louder than marketing all the time. I, you know, in, in the last couple of months, I I've probably done 50 media interviews about controversial candy, you know, M&Ms, M&Ms <laughs> with gym shoes versus high heeled boots and oh, purple M&Ms versus green M&Ms and, and Hershey's chocolate in Canada with, you know, inclusive packaging and, and, and beer for transgendered people and stuff right. like that. These are the gooey insights, right? Like you see how much conversation, like just market level dialogue goes on about this stuff. I mean, it creates a very complicated world. So that, you know. A very, a very complicated world and, and one where any stand you take it, it, with any values of whatever, and you've got brands, some that you just recognized, right, that uh, are on both sides of those kinds of. Damned and, if you, you know, do, damned if you don't. Alienating Seriously. one or the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But so, that's why branding is so important, right? Because I say brand is a magnet. It's designed to attract to you people who share and, and who are aligned with your values and beliefs. It means you cannot be everything to everyone. And that, like to circle back, that's where singularity comes in. Yep. And that willingness to to know who you are, what you stand for. And be that, and and that's even I think I don't know if it's more important, but it's incredibly important. It's vital as a leader that you are clear about those things, uh, and and who you are and what you're doing in the world as a leader, regardless of what kind of organization that you're working for. And so, presumably, everyone listening to this show, part of their brand, human centered, right, focused mm -hmm. on on people's humanity. We're talking with Deb Gabor. The book is Person. Dash ality, personality, cultivate your human authority to ignite irrational brand loyalty. And we've been talking a lot about authority and uh, the, the looking at the gooey insides, being visible with those gooey insides, letting people see what those values are, not just as a, uh, a PR or a marketing activity, but as a genuine expression of who you are as a leader, as a brand. Okay, so we're talking to leaders here. I mentioned page 113 and why I valued that so much is because it's where we start going to the how. Mm. And uh, so specifically what you'll need to establish authority. So I'm listening to this going, okay, Deb, I hear you. Uh, I want to work on my authority. I do as a leader. Where do we begin? How do we establish authority? I always tell people to start with establishing your, your brand as a leader. What is your brand as a leader? And uh, it's, I, I don't think I cover it in depth in personality. I think I probably tell people go back to branding as sex because that's the how to book, which, which talks about how to establish your, your brand, but it's, it's in, in its simplest sense, like establish your unique footprint as a human being as a leader and, and establish your, your brand foundation, the how-to for that, it, it's really simple. It's really understanding four important things. 
And, and those four important things are the characteristics of the best brands in the world. And they are the four important steps that every brand needs to go through, whether we're talking about a human brand or a, a product or business brand. Number one, figure out who is your ideal archetypal customer. Who is the customer? And what do I mean by customer? If you're a leader, it, it's, it's your community, right? It's your followers, it's your partners, it's your coworkers, it's your, uh, it, it, it is your constituency, like whatever realm you exi exist in, those are your customers. Who is the most ideal? Who is the most highly predictive of your success? Who are you made for? Who is the, the most delightful to serve the one who will champion you, who will go for you again and again and again, the one with whom you can establish a rational loyalty, figure out who that person is. And, and, and it's a singular human being and creating a picture in your mind's eye of who that human being is and, and making sure that person always has a seat at the table as you establish your leadership profile. Number two, become part of that person's self concept and their self-expression by answering the question of what does it say about them that they follow, partner, have a relationship with me. I think of leadership as a relationship. I think about we're just getting into multiple relationships with people. Le leadership isn't necessarily just leading and following. Leadership is cultivating a community. And I, I write a lot about that in the book, that it really is like it's the community, right? And so we're cultivating a community by establishing relationships with people. What does it say about them that they are in your community? What does it say about them? Not what does it say about me that I have all these followers, but what does it say about them that they, they patronize me, that they support me, they champion me. So that's step number two is become part of their self-concept. Step number three, we've talked about it extensively. Be the only one, be unique, be singular. Legendary brands, legendary humans are unique. There's no one else like them. Answer the question of what's the one thing that people get from me that they don't get from anyone else. Sure, they can consume leadership content elsewhere. They can read leadership books. They can listen to leadership podcasts elsewhere. But what do they get from me that they don't get from anyone else? Which really is the point of view and the passion. And in the book, I, I think there's a page. It's like a it's like a recipe card, right? That talks about like what are the ingredients of leadership. That's where that stuff goes. And then finally is the giving aspect. The giving aspect is about how do you make that ideal customer, we call it, which it may not necessarily be a customer, but how do you make that person a hero in their story, right? How do you get them to where they're going? That is the strategic foundation for your leadership brand. And that's where you start. And everything that I just gave you, ideal customer, answering those three questions, like those two basic things right there. If you do nothing else in branding, you will be so much further ahead than, than anyone else if you do those things. So that's the first place to start is establishing that leadership brand. So much there. And and one of the, just unpacking a little bit of that just a little farther is, or is you talk about getting clarity about your message and the change or disruption that you hope to inspire in the world. And I thought that was a really powerful way of thinking about your leadership authority. I, I think so too. And, and the reason that that's so important, not just like going through the process of like really clarifying and understanding the message, but committing to doing it I don't think you can be an authority until you are committed to something. I also talk about that a lot in the book. I talk about, you know, here, here's how to know you're ready. And if you're not ready, get ready. And when you are ready, lean into it. But if you are not willing to put your neck out there and stand for something that you believe in in your unique message and the the change that you want to see in the world and what i mean by change is is i'm not saying that in order to be a leader you have to have a platform where you are enacting massive global shifts right maybe the change that you're looking for is within your immediate organization for, for a new perspective, uh, a, a really good example that I give in the book is Tiffany Bova at Salesforce, who brought this new point of view to an already really pretty awesome organization, but a new point of view that the customer experience 
is, is what's going to propel organizations to success and giving them a renewed focus of that. It's a single initiative, right? It's a singular initiative. It's very close into the organization, but also benefits the benefits, the industry and the category of business at large. Right? So when Mm -hmm. I say like the change you need to see in the world, it can be, it can be very small. It could be like, you're a member of your, your church council or something like that. And, and you want to see more engagement within the church community. So don't think that you're not ready if you don't have this sort of like global vision for by the year 2025, we're going to have people living on Mars. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's funny when you, when you talk about those things, I'm thinking about some of those kind of cornerstone uh, foundational, almost leadership mantras for me that have been a part of my life since I really, since I was a teenager and one of them is taking responsibility for the corner of a room, right? So if if everyone were to make one corner of one room fundamentally better than, what do we say, almost 8 billion people? If 8 billion people made one corner of one room fundamentally better than when they found it, what an, what an amazing difference that would make in the world. And I that's global, that is- but it's tiny. It, it is tiny, but it's so much like, okay, so, you know, my, my, my side gig is that I'm, you know, I'm a branding expert and media person and all that kind of stuff and whatever, but day to day, I'm the CEO of a company, right? And, and I have a leadership team that I spend lots of time with. And I feel like every interaction that I have with them as a team or as individuals through one-on-one engagement with them is a, is a, it is like a life-defining moment for both of us, right? And and you know, I I always keep in the back of my mind, I have this like sort of like an aim or an aspiration, which is to elevate the quality of the space that I share with another person. And if I have done that, like I had the guys here, you know, washing the windows today, and and we had a lovely conversation this morning where, where we, you know, we brightened each other's day. I was like, I have achieved a meaningful thing through this interaction. And so no matter how infinitesimal, like that, that emanates through my entire human experience. And that, you know, like change in the corner of the room is, is as important and powerful as large sweeping global political, social, economic climate change. Right. Right. And they, and they build, you know, it's, it's funny. I, back when I was leading a three person team, right. It, it, early in my career, the, the principles of helping each person be the best version of themselves, as much as I can do that as a leader, as a manager, right. I'm still doing that work today. It's at a totally different level with it. It does, it is global in, in mm-hmm. all of that, but the principles, and it doesn't mean that as you're listening to the show and you're thinking about leading your team, you don't need to be on social media. You don't need to be doing any of that. Like it's leading your team and knowing what you stand for, what you're trying to do. So now maybe you do want to have influence and establish authority beyond that. And if that's the case, well, Deb's got you covered. Uh, she does. <laughs> from she's page got 113 a, on, I think. Uh, from right? 113 on. Like... So <laughs> you've got a Ted step. I love this Ted step plan to build authority that you, <laughs> that you live. And the reason I'm laughing about it is because there's really five plus five steps and five of those steps are the same step repeated five times. So, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> which is so, give, 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 right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So here's, here's the 10 step plan. Define your platform. And again, platform, let's just quickly, what do we mean by platform? Platform is just a definition of, uh, what, what is the, the meaningful change that you want to passionately and authentically enact in your sphere of influence, whatever that is, whether that's the corner of the room or on the globe or in the next universe. And then establish the culture of your community. And you've been talking about community a little bit. Yep. Okay. So it's the, I always tell people it's the community, stupid. Have you ever gone out there and you like put content out there to the world and and you're like, okay, buy this from me. 
right? And then it lands like a lead balloon. That's because you haven't, you haven't built a trusting relationship by sharing things with them with no obligation for them to do anything in exchange. And once you've given to them in a, in, in a way, they will lean forward and, and tell you what they want from you. And, and that comes from the culture of the community. So like, how, like, who are the people, who are the ideal customers? Like what, where, where do they live? Um, what, you know, where do they live online, offline, you know, figuratively, whatever, what, what do you, what do you want that community to, to look like? And how do you want that community to support itself and others? And when you're, when you're talking about that in the kind of the online or the, like from a product sales kind of perspective, I'm going back to, again, first three person T where I did the exact same thing where I offered a product and I'm putting product in quotes. Uh, that landed with a thud, which was I, oh, I'm a leader, I need to have a vision. So I went into my team with here's my vision that I spent all week weekend thinking about. And they look, you could hear the crickets, they looked at me like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, they you like you had two heads, because they weren't part of the process. They weren't part of it. And one of yeah. them, finally, I said, so okay, this isn't working, what's wrong? And one of them said, were you going to talk to us about our thoughts? Like what we were thinking? Like, yeah, that would have been good, right? You know, just, you know, a lot, lot more uh, enthusiasm than skill back when, when right. I was getting Right, so started. your community, like the culture of the community, like the, I, I don't remember if I told this story in the book, but it's something that really stands out to me. Like a couple of years ago, I got to speak at a at a conference that was for digital marketers. And typically digital marketers don't like brand people because digital marketing is really an exercise in in numbers, right? Like spend yep. this much, get this much conversion, blah, 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 whatever. Here comes a branding person to say, it's about the brand, stupid, right? But they, you know- I, I, they, they learned a lot, but at the same time, I learned a lot from, from listening to them. And so there was like an experience share part of the conference where, where a guy who is known as maybe the best known, most successful person on the internet selling information products to teach people how to select, buy, deck out market and, and buy more Airbnb properties. Do I tell this story in the book? I can't remember. I don't Can't remember either. Okay. Well, anyway, he tells the story how he like bankrupted himself and his mother and, you know, uh, ended up like losing his family, uh, by investing all of his money in creating this, this course for find and make Airbnbs and become a successful Airbnb business. And then he put it out online and spent like $125,000 a month on digital advertising to, to sell this, this course to people. And, and it was like crickets. And this, the story that he tells was like, I hadn't cultivated trust with an audience of people with a community. I hadn't cultivated community to the point that somebody trusted me enough to throw down $10,000 to buy my thing. And he said, when I went back and regrouped and I actually went out there and started to talk to people and started to give my information away for free with the goal of cultivating a community and creating some culture within this community where we give and give and give and give before I ever asked them for anything. We had a community and what the community told me they wanted from me was not at all what I created. I bankrupted myself and my mom and ruined all my personal relationships, building something that no one wanted. Yeah. Which yeah. is like your strategic vision that you laid down with a thud in front of your yeah. th three person team who were like, where are we in this conversation? So that's, I mean, that's, that was like a big lesson for me. Totally. And yeah, you know, in the book, you do share about uh, an experience you had with a product based on your book where the same kind of thing, where it didn't have your voice. It wasn't authentically you. And, and yeah, they were like, who the hell is them. this? Yeah. All right. So we are running short on time here. So uh, uh, again, we're talking with Deb Gabor. The book is Personality, Cultivate Your Human Authority to Ignite Irrational Brand Loyalty. Deb, uh, where can we connect with you? Listeners want to find out more about what you do, any resources, get the book, so forth. Where should we go? Just go to debgabor.com. That's D-E-B-G-A-B-O-R, debgabor.com. The stuff that's on there, you can get uh, links to go to where you can buy the books. There are three of them. Um, the other thing that I offer to everybody is I have a whole bunch of digital downloads and those are tools. They are available for free and you can go and download those. Those are things like the ideal customer archetype exercise, which will walk you through drawing a picture of who is your ideal 
archetypal customer. Uh, brand values pyramid, which is a really, really cool exercise in defining your brand. Those three brand questions that we talked about. There's also some other goodies there, lots of media and um, you know ways to get in touch with me directly. Also, this is really important. I'll talk to anybody who reaches out to me who wants to have a conversation with me. Um, so you, there's ways to submit things through the website. You can send me an email to deb at debgabor.com. Just tell me where we met or haven't met yet, or where you heard me. Um, I carve off time to talk to everybody and answer their, their questions. And if there's a way that I can inspire them uh, and give them their next best, most important action that they can take in in you know carving out their authority platform or or establishing their brand uh, i'm on a million brand mission i'm only about half the way there and uh time is ticking away so uh every single person i come into contact with is part of that that million brand roster oh i sure hope listeners that you'll take advantage of that you always have the ability to reach out but you don't just have the ability here you have an invitation so please take advantage of those and connect with deb and, and get that conversation going all right deb uh, we are, gosh, I, th I was going to ask one more question, but I want to honor our time too. So I think we're going to have to call it here. Last thought, uh, as we wrap up, as leaders are taking this journey, I mean, you, you talk about it, you give us a 10 year plan, you get lots of different, so many different resources in the book. We haven't even talked about your archetype as a leader, so many different elements. But as we're getting going, in addition to getting the book and reading it and reaching out and talking with you, what is a good first step? for everybody listening who wants to really invest in their own authority? I think that the best first step for people is to really give some thought to who you are for and what is it that you want to change within whatever world, however large or small that is, like what that is. And then ask yourself the question of, do, do I have the passion and energy to do this really just kind of the readiness assessment. Like, are you, are you ready to do this? And, and you have to do that through that lens of what do I have to say? And I, am I compelled to share it? And, and am I, am I willing to suffer the slings and arrows of critics? <laughs> if you're not, if not you're not going to hold up. Yeah. And it's okay to not be ready. It is okay because there will be a time I, I, I feel like, 2015, when I started writing my first book, was the moment at which I was jumping out of my skin to be able to share what I had with the world. I had been working as a professional since 1990 without ever having that thought. But there was a moment where I was like, oh my gosh, the world needs this information. The world needs this information because it's going to make businesses better. And better business means healthier economies and healthier economies are better for people. Let's make business better. Like let's make brands better. And I, and, and I couldn't wait to share it with other people. And that's how I knew I was ready. That's how, you know, all right, listeners, there you have it. Get started, clarify who your ideal person is. What is the change or disruption you're hoping to inspire in your world and be the leader you'd want your boss to be. Deb Gawar, thank you so much for being a guest today. Thank you. This is really incredible. Great conversation. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>